It's a pleasure to be back among so many of you, so many familiar faces and some new faces. Let us pray. O Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you. Amen. So the little group of faithful were all in earnest prayer in the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. It was a scary time. It was Passover. It should have been a time of great rejoicing, of remembering all the mighty deeds that God had had done for his people. But Herod, not the Herod of the birth stories of Jesus, and not even the Herod of his execution, but a different Herod had changed their plans. This was Herod Agrippa, not a particularly memorable Herod, but he, had the, he was in charge, and he had recently arrested James, the brother of John, and had put him to death. James was one of the original apostles, and Herod, now, Herod, now emboldened, had arrested Peter. The little group of prayers were terrified. They weren't really sure what they could do to help, but they knew they could do one thing. They could pray, and so they gathered together and prayed. What was the content of this prayer? Our scripture doesn't specifically tell us. They must have been praying for the safe release of Peter. Maybe they prayed for Herod to come to his senses and release Peter. Maybe they prayed that someone important would, would come to his defense and he would get out of prison. Maybe they prayed for a miraculous intervention by God. We simply don't know. We just know they gathered together and they prayed. And we're not quite sure how long they'd been praying. Passover lasted a week, so it might have been for quite a long time. Peter, meanwhile, in prison, was probably thinking about all the events of the recent past. He would have mourned the loss of his friend and colleague, James. He might have been thinking about how he received that startling revelation that the gospel was for all people, for the Gentiles, too, with no distinction. God's word was spreading. The number of Christians was growing, both in Jerusalem and for miles around. There was much to celebrate. But now, here he is under arrest. How did this fit in with God's plan for spreading the good news? He might well have been amazed at how many guards Herod had posted. Did Herod think Peter's friends would mount an armed insurrection? that they would come with swords and fight their way into the prison to get his release? Peter knew what his friends would be doing. He was confident that they would be upholding him in prayer. So he had been there for some days and was still sleeping between his two guards, chained to both of them, and Passover concluded. This was the night that Herod was planning to bring him out before the people, a little statement that probably means this was the night he was planning to have him killed. 
With Passover finished, Herod thought it was safe to proceed with his plans. He'd gotten a certain amount of positive uh, reinforcement from a certain segment of the Jewish population when he killed James. So now he thought, how might I fare with Peter? So back in the cell, Peter felt a, a prod in his ribs, and he was jolted awake. And he found the cell bathed in light and an angel standing there. There was no small talk. The angel said, get up, get dressed, put on your sandals. Peter was a bit groggy, but he did as he was told. Wrap your mantle around you and follow me. And again, Peter did as he was told. But he wondered if he was dreaming. In a daze, they left the cell. They passed the first set of guards. They passed the second set of guards. They came to an iron gate, and of course it opened, and they found themselves in the street. They passed through on one street, and then all of a sudden Peter was alone. Maybe the cool of the evening air finally woke him up, and he understood, and he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from Herod and from the hand of all the Jewish people were expecting. So he walked on to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. He knocked on the gate. Inside the praying was continuing, but Rhoda, the maid, heard the knocking and came and answered the door. She immediately recognized the voice as Peter's and was overjoyed and went racing back to tell the praying group the news leaving Peter still standing outside, perhaps a little perplexed, cold, tired. I imagine the conversation went something like this. It's Peter, he's knocking on the gate. You can't be serious. How can you interrupt us when we are praying? We are completely engaged in praying for Peter's safe return. Are you mad? You must be dreaming. No, no, it's really Peter. I recognize his voice. Perhaps thinking that he had already died, they said, maybe it's his angel. You must be mistaken. Meanwhile, Peter, not knowing what was transpiring, just kept on knocking. It's me, Peter, let me in. Finally, they opened the door, find Peter standing there, and they were flabbergasted. Peter told them the whole story, then asked them to let James and the others know, and then, presumably for his safety, he left for what the scriptures say, somewhere else. We don't know where the somewhere else was, and Peter actually drops from the Acts account here, except for one appearance several chapters later. The scene in the prison was one of complete disarray. No one seemed to know what had happened to their important prisoner. Herod, of course, was not amused. He questioned the soldiers and then had them put to death, which is kind of sad because we know it wasn't their fault. And then Herod made a hasty retreat from Jerusalem to the seaside at Caesarea. 
So as I thought about this story a lot in the last few weeks, it really resonated with me. It's a serious account, but it does have that touch of humor. I could see how this might act out in a very similar way in our time in the 21st century. And I think it raises quite a few questions about prayer and miracles that we might ponder together. So the first question that comes to mind is, did miracles happen in the past, just the way they come to us in Scripture? The psalmist of Psalm 77 certainly believed that God had rescued his people many times in the past. He says, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. You are the God who works wonders. You rescued the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And he goes on to tell how God saved his people in the time of Moses and Aaron. But do miracles still happen today? The psalmist in his anguish has a moment of doubt. He asks, has God forgotten to be gracious? Will he never again be favorable? And then he realizes that it is doubt that is causing this moment of questioning God's faithfulness. The first century church knew all the stories of God's miraculous actions in the past, and many of them would have witnessed Jesus' miracles in person or heard about them from parents or grandparents. And yet when this miracle took place, this rescue of Peter, it doesn't seem like they immediately recognized it. In fact, Peter didn't even realize that he was in the midst of a miracle until he got outside the prison gates. God surprises. He can't be pinned down or limited because we so often have tunnel vision. This made me wonder, what miracles have I missed? Miss seeing because of my presuppositions or my inattention. In both the case of Peter and the praying group, action was needed as well. Peter had to get up, get dressed, and follow the angel. For the congregation, all they had to do was open the door. And this made me wonder again, when has my inaction caused me to miss my part in what God is doing I have a curious history with this question of God's miraculous actions in the world. In my Sunday school, um, when I was in, in grade 10, actually, I was 14, the leader took us through a whole unit explaining away the miracles. Jesus didn't walk on water. He was just standing on a little sandbar, so it made it look like he was walking on the surface of the water. Jesus didn't actually multiply the loaves and fishes miraculously. The crowd was so ashamed when the child offered up his lunch that they all began to share what they had. Those are the two I remember, but this unit went on for a whole semester. I was only 14, but I remember thinking... If God didn't then and can't now perform miracles, what's the whole point of faith? Then, fortunately for me, at 15, 
I had a powerful, life-changing encounter with the living God, and I knew for sure that I had been right to reject this teaching that God can't act in our world. In my reading this past few weeks, it was pointed out that at least a third of the gospel accounts are of miracles, mainly healings and exorcisms. Millions of Christians around the world today bear witness to the fact that God still acts in miraculous ways. And apparently there's actually more acceptance in the general population of miracles now than there was several generations ago. So in my mind, there is no doubt that God has done and still does miracles. One of the things I love about this passage in Acts and the, the Psalm 77 as well is they don't sugarcoat some of the dilemmas we face with prayer and miracles. We pray, we hope, we fear, we doubt. Sometimes things turn out as we envisaged. Sometimes they turn out completely differently. Sometimes we are only greeted with silence. Sometimes there is rejoicing. Sometimes there is sorrow. Other times, only bewilderment. Prayer is a tricky business. It's not magic. It's not like putting your coin in the vending machine and out comes the chocolate bar. But this we do know. God has always exhorted, commanded, invited his people to pray. Pray without ceasing. Life, in a way, is all prayer. My list of people and places that I'm praying for right now seems to have grown in the last week or so. And I know many of you have concerns in your lives, in those of your family, friends, and the wider world. So pray. Keep on praying. Pour out your heart before our God. And if you find yourself in that unsettling place where hope and fear coexist, notice it, acknowledge it, and keep on praying. God understands. I don't think he wants us to be perfect in our prayer, but I think he wants us to be honest. And this I know for sure, that the God who intervened miraculously in the past still acts today. He is the same yesterday, today, and always. And he will keep you in his loving care. So blessings for the journey. Amen.